Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink. Meaning P stands for being persistent. I stands for using your intuition. N stands for networking. And K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Today is January 22nd, 2014. We're going to have a wonderful show today. We're actually, our guest is going to do a demonstration for our listeners. But our show today is on basically helping patients take suffering out of pain and anxiety. Michael Elner is a certified medical hypnotist and a self-help coach in private practice in Florida. He has over 30 years of experience in helping people take charge of their lives, their health, and their careers. We couldn't ask for more than that. So he also is the author of a book, which is called Hope is Realistic. It's a physician's guide to helping patients take suffering out of pain. We'll be talking about his book as well today. So I'd like to bring Michael on. Hello, Michael. I'm so glad you could join our show today. New York City. And uh, I did a lot of radio interviews. And weeks and months after I did an interview, people would call me up and say, you know, I heard that interview and my pain went away. I heard that interview and I quit smoking. I heard that interview, and I lost weight, and I began to realize I was helping people I never met. So I am thrilled whenever I have an opportunity to talk about this type of work, because I think just listening and and hearing about it can be quite helpful. Yes, I always like to ask my guests how they got started in, you know, in other words, how did you get on the path that you're on today? Was it something from childhood that you you thought you were going to do? Actually, it was. When I was 12 and 13, uh, when I was growing up, there wasn't that much entertainment. And my group of friends and I were into magic. And it turned out that I was terrible at card tricks and coin tricks. And a friend's father gave me a beat-up book on stage hypnosis. And I had an affinity for it. And between 12 and 13, I developed a little stage act uh, that I used to entertain my friends and family and friends and that kind of thing. And then I put it behind me and moved on. And in 1979, a friend of mine who was suffering from severe uh, arthritic pain or arthritic pain said that... uh, She was really at the end of her rope. Nothing was working. And I heard myself say, to my surprise, I used to know hypnosis. Maybe I can help you. And she was desperate and wanted to try anything, so I hypnotized her, and it helped her. And for the following year, every time she saw me, and when she didn't see me, she'd leave messages on my machine saying, Michael, 
you really help me, and there are so many people who need help. Maybe this is a calling. And after a while, I started thinking that, you know, maybe she's on to something. So I investigated it and started taking additional trainings, and uh, I became a professional hypnotist. And my interest at the time was working in peak performance, helping performers, uh, actors, dancers, athletes kind of things. And as a volunteer, I started working with a group of people uh, living with AIDS and AIDS-related fears. And these people, a big complaint was extreme fear and pain. So I started paying attention to how one could utilize hypnosis to help people with fear and pain, and that was in 1980. I've never looked back, and uh, I, I think it's been an absolutely wonderful experience. It's very pleasurable and satisfying to be able to help people in my own small way. And when you relieve pain, especially when someone's living with chronic pain, it really improves the quality of their life, and that improves the quality of their families' lives. And so it's really, to me, just a blessing how things worked out, almost like fate or destiny. <laughs> That's a great story. I love it. What is your process with a um, patient? Well, I see clients. I don't see patients, but I have one or two processes. The one that I think uh, relates to your audience is guided self-help. I'm a medical hypnotist, and I'm not a hypnotherapist. And by that I mean I don't practice therapy. My practice was goal-oriented. And I began to notice that it was far more empowering to teach people how to help themselves. And you might think of the parable of giving a person a fish or teaching them how to fish. So I attract two types of clients. One client wants me to do uh, medical hypnotism, and the other client wants to learn how to help themselves. And I'm happy to serve both groups. And one of the things that really uh, became apparent when you're working with any kind of chronic situation, chronicity, is is that a huge part of the challenge in helping these people is that they very often unknowingly develop hopelessness and helplessness. And the first step in helping them is giving them a reason to believe they can be helped. Mm -hmm. So I started calling what I was doing hope coaching because I wanted to put the emphasis on hope is realistic. And I was working with a couple of colleagues. I wrote the book with Kelly Woods, and uh, a friend, Alan Barsky, and I, and Kelly also wrote another book for hypnosis practitioners and allied healthcare professionals. And the start was you're dealing with people who feel helpless. In 2007, an associate, Dan Cleary, and I were brought in to teach at a major medical conference for frontline pain clinicians. And there, I discovered that how they speak to patients uh, is something really that requires a great deal of attention and respect. You know, their words can be healing and helpful where their words could be weapons of mass destruction. So between 2007 and 2012, Dan and I put a great deal of energy in teaching doctors how to speak to their patients more effectively. And that led to the book that I wrote with Kelly Woods, Hope is Realistic. And Kelly and I and Alan have another book can be Say that again? very destructive. What do you mean when you say words can be very destructive? Well, you know, if you tell somebody nothing can be done, for example, learn to live okay. with it, you're giving them a life sentence. 
Okay. And we wanted to give them a reprieve. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the amazing thing is, is, is that when a doctor says that, they might be correct in terms of medical assistance, but there's a lot that could be done. And that takes us to taking the suffering out of pain. And what most people don't understand is, is that there's a huge difference between acute pain. Acute pain is survivalistic. It's, it's a gift from nature. It tells us something requires attention. It tells us don't sure. do that. And it's very mm-hmm. important. But when it crosses over to chronic pain, the message is not meaningful. There's no need. There's no useful information. And it's okay to help people learn how to move away from that pain, to tune it out, to turn it down, to ignore it. And that's the, the basis of how I help people dealing with chronic pain. It doesn't really address the pain itself. It addresses the way people react to pain. And what you listeners want to understand is that we don't, we don't experience a pure signal. Our experience is a process signal. And our minds and brains process that signal with a number of other inputs, our beliefs, our expectations, our stress levels, our state of arousal. So by the time we're experiencing pain, all these other inputs have added to our experience. So if we change these other inputs, we don't have to deal with the pain. The urgency goes away. It automatically is less painful. So that there are many ways your listeners, if they're dealing with chronic pain, can modify those other inputs. And the results are quite amazing. So you hear people say, you know, it's, it's the most amazing thing. The pain is still there, but it no longer hurts. It's still there, but it no longer is limiting my life. It's no longer sucking the joy out of my life. Mm-hmm. And for these people, this is a major improvement. It's liberating. I'll say. What is autogenic training? Well, autogenic training is a fancy name for learning how to practice self-hypnosis. Auto means self, and genic Mm -hmm. means you do it yourself. Unfortunately, the word hypnosis has a lot of negative connotations. And a lot of people who might be helped, and I believe would be helped, Don't even try it because of all the stage and this and that they've seen and the way the media presents it and they hear hypnosis and they think it's not for them. So autogenic training was a system that came out of Germany, which really basically was just a a very basic approach to self-hypnosis. And it's an effective approach. There are many ways to practice self-hypnosis and We include autogenics in our overall program. So what Kelly, Allen, and I have done is is there are thousands of hypnosis professionals, and Mm -hmm. we do advanced trainings in pain. So among our students, we find hypnotists who are already practicing hypnotists who have demonstrated they have a like mind. They're very interested in approaching their clients the same way, acting as a coach. And we've developed a program, and it includes a very flexible toolbox that the coach utilizes to teach a person a program that's individualized and customized for them. So we might have dozens and dozens of different techniques that could be applied But when you're working with a coach, the coach helps you select the techniques that are best suited to you as an individual. The book that I sent you, Hope Coaching, contains Mm -hmm. the basic exercises that are most commonly used. 
So these different exercises are something that a person does. The exercise takes three or four minutes. And hypnosis is most powerful when you have repetition. So if you practice these three or four minute exercises several times a day, you're taking advantage of natural uh, plasticity. Mm -hmm. Your brain is designed to change, to learn, to grow. And one of the things that influences that is repetition. So these little exercises are designed to help a person de-stress, learn how to relax, and learn how to focus their attentions in ways that promote health, healing, well-being. And what we find is, is that our clients report back that they enjoy doing these exercises so much that they continue using them even when they're not actually needed because they just promote feeling better. Hmm. Is one of them the hand-warming exercise? Yes. You know, it's an amazing thing in terms of the research. There's more and more research coming out in the last 20 years that's looking at uh, hypnosis. And hypnosis is evidence-based, and it's considered an alternative therapy because not enough doctors utilize it. Not enough colleges and universities teach it. So they don't consider it part of a uh, conventional medical practice, but there's more and more recognition of how it helps. Well, one of the simplest ways to relieve migraines and often prevent migraines is imagining your hands are getting warm. And different imagery might help people imagine their hands are getting warm more effectively. For some people, they imagine they're out in the sun. Mm-hmm. They have the right amount of sunscreen on. They're not worried about a sunburn. They're just enjoying the warmth of the sun. And the warmth of the sun just happens to be really concentrated on their hands. Other people say, well, gee, you know, I, I can't use my imagination that way. I think about warming my hands and they stay cold. And then you have the person practice different exercises to develop that skill and ability. And very quickly they're saying, oh, I can warm my hands just thinking about it. So that part of the mastery in helping people is realizing that people start out at very different skill levels and abilities. And you want to increase them to the point they start seeing practical benefits. Mm-hmm. So on my website, I have two very low-cost PDFs designed for people in pain. And it's all of these self-help exercises. And I would say for 50% of people who get the book, the book itself is enough to help them take the suffering out of pain. What is your website? uh, com. Oh, great. Hopeisrealistic.com. Yes. Now, there's a lot of people that um, typically do not get a good night's sleep. What do you recommend that they can do for that type well, of suffering? there's several things you could do. One of the things is, is, is that a lot of the stress that keeps people awake is anticipating having a sleepless night. And... There's a combination of basic sleep hygiene and learning how to quiet your mind before sleep. So the first thing I would do with a client who was having sleep difficulty would be ensure that they've had a medical evaluation. This is so that if there are any medical interventions that could be helpful, they're not missed. But once that's been established, More often than not, the doctor says we can find nothing wrong. We can't explain why you're having difficulty sleeping. It's medically unexplained. And it's mostly described as racing thoughts. So we would use these two, three-minute exercises several times a day and then just before going to sleep 
that would help a person get in the mood for a great night's sleep. Can you think of a time when you had a really active day and you come home and it's a delightful feeling? You're physically exhausted, you're mentally exhausted, and the moment you put your head on the pillow, you fall into a delicious sleep. And the next thing you know, oh, it's yeah. morning and you're re-energized and you're mm-hmm. feeling great. Well, we tap into those kind of memories or those kind of imageries for someone who doesn't remember that experience, and that changes their body chemistry. When we use our imagination vividly, we can turn ourselves on. We could change our mood. So people can start using these little exercises and it puts them in the mood for a great night's sleep. And there are little techniques. For example, some people really, really have a list of everything that they have to do or must think about and it keeps them awake all night. And simply either mentally making the list or actually physically writing the list and putting it in a safe place knowing that all of these things will be there in the morning with the suggestion that, you know what, you will be more effective at dealing with all of these things after a wonderful night's sleep. And that's true. When we're well rested, we're more effective. So if you're worried about, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do that, Mm -hmm. and suddenly Mm -hmm. you realize, you know, the most important thing to do all of these things effectively is to get a good night's sleep. You're able to put those things aside, know where they are in the morning when you want to deal with them, and you're able to deal with them more effectively. So a lot of what we do is educational. I know that that this probably um, would vary from client to client, but yes. for someone who comes, but for someone that comes to you and they're they're in chronic pain, how long does it take? In other words, how many sessions would it take to help well, them? Well, you should see a noticeable improvement in the first session, and then in order to maintain it and in order to build on it, it varies. So somewhere usually between one and six sessions. And by then you have a toolbox and you've developed a skill level of using those tools that you have a sense of control. But Mm -hmm. your listeners, after we do the exercise, should see a noticeable improvement immediately. Now, this is an important thing for all of your listeners to consider. Dan Cleary and I, I said, were teaching doctors for continuing medical education. And one of the biggest mistakes a doctor makes when talking to their patients is they prescribe a medication, the patient comes back, and they say, are you still in pain? Well, that's a yes and no question. And very often, even if it's helpful and it's giving them some relief, the answer is, yes, I'm still in pain. So the doctor writes a different prescription or ups the dosage. But had they actually asked, have you seen any improvement, they might have got a completely different answer. So we don't say, you know, you work with me, the pain is going to give you, you're going to get 100% relief. In many cases, 10, 15% relief can really improve the quality of your life. And once you get there, it's reasonable to believe that you can increase that. And you can. So Mm -hmm. it's where a person's expectations are directed as well. So some of your clients will go through, some of your listeners will go through this exercise and they'll have a 70, 80% improvement. And those that are virtuosos in using their imagination might experience 100% improvement. But even your listeners who get a 10% improvement, that's a wonderful thing. And it's a starting point. It's a launch pad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, again, hope is realistic. And it's a question of, in this case, I'd call it managing the person's expectations. Mm -hmm. Well, you use a mind-body medicine type of technique. Yes. Why Why 
don't you why don't we explore that a little bit? Okay. Well, you know, one of the biggest mistakes in science in medicine was this separation of the mind and body. There's no separation. It's one process. And our physical health affects our mental health, and our mental health affects our physical health. So for a lot of my clients, the big challenge is chronic stress. And it's an amazing thing. You see, all bodies are designed to heal automatically. We have amazing inner healing resources, but they don't work effectively when a person is stressed. When we're chronically stressed, our body is geared for survival. It's not geared for digesting food. It's not geared for healing. It's geared for fighting or running away or freezing. It's a good point. And some people, you know, metaphorically say, I'm stuck. Well, it's kind of like a freezing mechanism if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, is if you're chronically stressed, very often it becomes transparent. When a doctor says you're stressed, the person doesn't believe him. What are you talking about? Because the stress states become their new normal. So you'd be amazed that sometimes I don't even talk about pain, but I teach a person how to de-stress and how to relax. And the next time I see them, I'm planning to work on the pain, and they say, you know what, I've had a great improvement. I'm sleeping better. My digestion's better. I have more energy. And that's because as they spend more and more time in these rest and digest states, their inner physician starts working automatically. So I think that's a good uh, introduction to a concept of mind-body and something that we deal with every day because we live in a very stressful world. Yes, we do. So I was waiting to see if you had any other questions. I'm happy just to to continue talking, whatever works. (laughs) (laughs) Well... When we were talking earlier about how you you have um, conferences and you train physicians on how to motivate their patients to utilize yes. self-hypnosis and mindful exercises, yes. um, on your website, do you have a list of, of these physicians throughout the United States? Because I know you're in Florida. And, you you know, know, we audience. don't have a list because we meet these physicians at medical conferences. We teach continuing medical education. And the only feedback we get is from the people who run the conference. In that, you take a course at one of these conferences. And in order to get the medical uh, continuing education credit, you have to fill out a form online, and then they send you a certificate. Well, on the form, they asked, did this course change the way you'll practice medicine? So Dan and I were teaching several courses at every conference, and Mm -hmm. on average, 80% of the physicians who took our courses indicated that it would change how they practice medicine. So that Hmm. if you contacted a local coach, they could give you some referrals to doctors in their sphere of influence, but at the moment we haven't been tracking those doctors. We haven't been able to. Okay, but you have. I a just list relocated of to Florida, for example, from New York, so I'm just uh-huh. beginning to find the doctors that I would consider open-minded and who understand and practice and appreciate the mind-body connection. Many don't. There's a mm-hmm. mountain of evidence, and they ignore it. Mm-hmm. So well, these are relationships know, they that have to be cultivated. Right. right. They come out of medical school, and they've had just you know a, a focus that's been presented to them. And um, once they're out in the real world, working with patients day in, day out, some of them will go out for additional education in alternative methods of treating their patients or clients. Well, the great news for people in pain is is that the Institute of Medicine, and this is the 
body of experts that advises Congress and is influential in medical policy has recently issued a paper, and they said that uh, doctors don't have enough training to treat chronic pain and recommended either they get continuing education specialized in that or mm. they refer their chronic pain patients to uh, pain management doctors. So there's yeah, a mandate okay. for them to study mm -hmm. more if they're going to treat chronic pain. And most chronic pain doctors are open to utilizing anything that would be helpful. So they would mm -hmm. probably prefer the term complementary medicine or integrative medicine. And uh, they would be much more open to mind-body stuff. But most people get treated by their... GP. Most people get treated by uh, a doctor who might not really be trained beyond writing a prescription. And a large segment of people in pain have what's called medically unexplained pain. And these medicines usually don't help them at all. And these medicines can be addictive. Uh, they often have very severe side effects at the doses necessary to help them. So that uh, if you were dealing with chronic pain, my first recommendation would be consult a pain management specialist, a doctor who specializes in this field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And again, I think they tend to be more open-minded. Yes, I agree with you. I... Um... We did a show last year on pain, chronic pain, how to manage it. It was a, a highly successful show. And I realized there must be a huge percentage of the population that suffers from it. The you know, at one, at one point or another in their life. Yes. The estimates are over 100 million Americans are either living with or have experienced chronic pain. That's one-third of our is, population. Yeah. Uh, another thing that they want to be aware of is, you know, many, many people are misled. There is not one scan, MRI, CAT scan, or X-ray, that actually can explain the pain a person's in. So many, many people go to a doctor, the doctor has them out for an x-ray or has them go for an MRI, and they look at that and they see structural damage. Well, when you do what I do, you start meeting hundreds of people who say, you know, I had the recommended surgery, it made things worse. And now medicine has admitted, you know what, these injuries that we see, these uh, structural problems that we detect may not have anything to do with the pain. They actually might be uh, coincidental. Uh, most often chronic pain in these days among the specialists is being viewed as a neurological problem. That's Something very true. in the nervous system mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is acting up, and it has nothing to do with the original disease or the original injury. So I could give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Someone breaks an ankle. The ankle heals perfectly, but they continue to be in pain. Well, something in their nervous system has either become very sensitized to a signal or different cells might be misfiring and continuing to send a signal that is no longer necessary. And the way, remember I was talking earlier about repetition? When yes. our nervous system continues to send a signal, that signal becomes stronger. It amplifies the signal. So hmm. that compounds the situation for a lot of people. They're getting a signal that has no meaningful information and, and then they're reacting to it. So mm -hmm. they get this signal, and it makes them more stressed. It creates more anxiety. 
and that increases their their suffering. Yeah, well, so, because they wonder how long, how long it's going to last. There's no telling. Well, most of them are afraid it's going to last forever. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's that what I mean that, by that word you, helplessness, hopelessness. Is, is that, a, is that a, a main factor that you've found is... Uh, Yes. Um, that your I'm hoping to change something with these interviews, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping your interview will help me do that. You see, people who do what I do, we're a last resort. No one has a painful experience and says, aha, hypnosis. They go to a doctor. They go to a chiropractor. They go to an acupuncturist. They do physical therapy. They might try massage therapy. They might try different herbs. And over that experience they begin to give up they continue to go through the motions but they no longer think anything will be helpful because everyone they've dealt with along the way so don't worry this will help you and it doesn't Mm -hmm. don't worry this will help you and it doesn't so we're trying to become a front line that when people are in pain we want to catch them as early as possible on their journey and take them out of this vicious cycle We can help them wherever we meet them, but we think it would really improve the quality of health care if they began seeing us earlier rather than as a last resort. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because any any improvement could go a long way. Yes, and one of the things is the danger is 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 that, that generally speaking, it's like a threshold. And when you're dealing with acute pain, if it's not resolving in six to eight weeks, you're now running the risk of it becoming chronic. And that's a very serious crossover. Oh, so, so it's six to eight weeks. I didn't know that. Usually any an injury is designed mm-hmm. to resolve. Now, you might need medical intervention. We might have to put it in a cast. You know, you might have to require this or that, to get there. But generally speaking, most painful situations that are of an acute nature resolve in six to eight weeks with or without particular interventions depending on what's going on. If you have a broken ankle, you want it set, of course. Mm -hmm. But generally speaking, someone has a, a back injury. They don't even go to a doctor. They expect it to go away. And the next thing they know, you know, the next month, it's still there. It may Mm -hmm. not be there all the time, but they notice it getting in and out of their car. They notice it when they pick up their grandchildren. They notice when they're schlepping something from here to there. That's a technical term. And uh, (laughs) they begin to see, you know, it's not going away. Well, Uh generally speaking, that type of thing usually clears and goes away in six to eight weeks. And if it doesn't, you're at risk for developing chronic pain. And then it becomes the new normal for your nervous system. Hmm. Great point. So... So what type of uh, exercise would you like to do with our listeners today? Well, first, can we briefly talk about anxiety, and then I'll do an exercise that can apply to both. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the things that I said earlier was is that I was a medical hypnotist, not to be confused with a hypnotherapist. And my friend Dan Cleary loves to say, and I say it often too, but I want to give him credit for it. He says, I'm not a therapist. If any of my clients have a therapeutic benefit, it's their fault. And I feel the same way. I don't do therapy. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Swimming is therapeutic. Love making yes. is therapeutic. Eating a mm-hmm. nutritious meal is therapeutic. Uh, deep breathing can be therapeutic. So very often the different exercises we teach are therapeutic and we're very happy about that. But I would consider that as a positive side effect of what we're doing. So one of the big things about anxiety is by its nature, it tends to be anticipatory. 
So most people who are experiencing anxiety are having what-if thoughts, but thoughts. But what about this? What about that? What if this? What if that? And they're focusing their attention and disturbing themselves on projections that may never happen. So what we would do is teach people how to refocus their attention on what's happening right now. And that's an amazing thing because uh, it's called medically these days mindfulness. And really mindfulness is a medical adaptation of Buddhist meditation. And the meditation was designed to focus somebody's attention on their body internally. Mm. So mm -hmm. some people focus on breathing. Some people focus on their heartbeat. More of my clients focus on an image of occupying all the space in their body from the top of their hair to the bottom of their feet. And as they imagine occupying their space on being inside their body, they automatically go into these rest and digest states. And what happens is, is they begin to recognize all our thoughts are just thoughts. Yes. We don't have to engage them. We don't have to try to avoid them. We don't have to empower them. We can just let them be. They're just thoughts. So when a person develops this skill of learning how to focus their attention on what's happening right now, an amazing thing happens. Without any therapeutic intervention, they start worrying. They start enjoying life more. And they start reacting to the things that used to create anxiety in ways that are exciting instead of creating anxiety. You know what the difference between mm -hmm. excitation and anxiety is? What? Our opinion of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the examples that we use when we work with clients is a roller coaster. And imagine we want to be scientific. We want a little, we want to conduct an experiment for your listeners. So we wire up a pair of twins so that we could monitor in real time their physiological changes as they take a ride on a roller coaster. We wired the brothers up. They could be sisters. And we start the ride. And we have them wired in a way we could measure all the different physiological changes going on as they experience the ride. So at about the same point in the ride, both of them experience their eyes tearing. At the same point in the ride, they both experience their throat tightening a bit. At the same point in the ride, they experience a slight nausea. At the same point in the ride, they experience a rapid heartbeat, shallow breathing. At a point in the ride, they both perspire. The ride is over. So let's say it's brothers. They unhook the brothers, they take all the wires off, they get off the ride. One brother kisses the ground, he says, that was terrible. That was awful. I'll never do another ride. My children will never do another ride. Their children will never do another ride. And as this is happening, the other brother is online to buy another ticket because his experience was, wow, that was so exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, they had the same physiological experience, but they had a very different opinion of what they were experiencing. Indeed. Uh, I had a client come in who was a fireman. Actually, he mm -hmm. was a ranking person in the fire department. He was in an accident where a roof collapsed. And out of the blue, he started developing panic attacks. Well, the first one, he went to the emergency room. He thought he was having a heart attack. And when you come into the emergency room and you're having difficulty with your heart, you get a lot of attention very quickly. They take that very seriously. So they examine him very carefully, and when it's done, the doctor says, you know, there's nothing really wrong with you. You had a panic attack. He couldn't believe it. And, uh, well, he started having 
them on a regular basis, and now the emergency room isn't taking them that serious anymore. They've seen him a number of times. Uh, they recognize he's having a panic attack. They send him to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist tells him, yes, you are having uh, panic attacks, and I can give you these medications. But he isn't really into medications, and he still can't wrap his mind around having a, a panic attack because it sure feels like he's having a heart attack. Well, someone he knows says, you know, I work with this guy, Michael Elnor, and I understand he's very helpful in these situations. So the guy calls me up. He says, I don't believe they're panic attacks, but I'm having this problem. The doctors don't take me seriously. They're telling me it's all in my head. They're telling me it's stress. I can't believe it's stress. Can you help me? And I said, I'm confident that I can help you. So he comes in, and we meet. And he's describing his symptoms. He says, it's like this. My heart is beating out of my chest and I can't catch my breath. I said, let me ask you something. Do you and your wife enjoy sex? He said, yes. I said, so the last time you had a really moving orgasm, did you go to the emergency room? Same symptoms. Except in saying, oh, my, I need a doctor, you're saying, oh, my God, that was wonderful. Same exact symptoms. The difference is your opinion of what's going on and the context you're experiencing it in. Well, yeah, okay. he stopped having panic attacks in one session. Huh. But That's the great. challenge was to give him a reason to believe that was the problem and this is what will help you. Mm-hmm. So the work well, that we um, do... Well, Michael, we have um, less than... Four minutes left, so let's would you like exercise. to do the? Okay. Everybody listening, please feel free to participate unless you're driving or using heavy equipment. Then you can listen to the replay. So what I'm going to ask people in the audience to do, and you can do it as well, is gently close your eyes, take a gentle, easy breath, and if you're dealing with pain, just get in touch with the pain. If you're dealing with anxiety. Get in touch with the anxiety. Just get in touch with anything and everything that's bothering or disturbing you and just feel it. Be with it for a moment and make a fist with your right hand. And now open your fist, relax your hands, open and close your eyes. Take a gentle, easy breath. And now in the privacy of your mind, get in touch with how you feel when you feel wonderful. Get in touch with when you're doing things that are pleasurable and satisfying. Ladies, imagine you're having a great hair day. Guys, imagine your team just won the championship. Just get in touch with how you feel when your heart is happy, your mind is peaceful, your spirit's playful, and make a fist with your left hand. Soak up those wonderful feelings. Open your fist. Relax your hand. Open and close your eyes. I'm going to count to three, and at the count to three, I'm going to ask everybody to make a fist with both hands at the same time. Here we go. One, two, two and a half, three. And I wonder how quickly people will notice that whatever was bothering them is so much less important if it's there at all. So I'm going to count backwards from three to one. At the count to one, you open your eyes, you're back in everyday time and space, and you feel wonderful. Three, two, one. And uh, I imagine you'll be getting lots of listener feedback that they were amazed at how good they're feeling. Wonderful exercise. So to close our show, I'd like you to tell the listeners again the name of your book and also your website. And if well, they would like to reach you, what's the best way to do that? You can reach me at 347-867-4497. My website is hopeisrealistic.com. When you get to that website, if you're in pain or dealing with anything and you want some coaching or help, there are links to that. And we have very low-cost PDF books that are guided self-help books that you can use on your own or you could use with the assistance of a coach. And then again, our coaches are certified hypnotists that have had advanced training and are very happy to work as a coach. 
Thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you, Michael Elner. Really appreciated the time you took out of your busy schedule. My so listeners, thank you. Thank you. Listeners, Good night. Please, join, please join us again next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 7 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Thank you for joining us today. Good night. Be blessed. Good night. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Thanks again, listeners. I just wanted to let you know that the entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guests. The information on the show is not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional, and it's not intended as medical advice. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from our guests and the experience of Denise and her community. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Thank you, and please join us again next week. Bye-bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.